We celebrate today the Feast of the Body and Blood of Jesus. Opening Prayer O God, who in this wonderful sacrament have left us a memorial of your passion, grant, we pray, so to revere the sacred mysteries of your body and blood that we may always experience in ourselves the fruits of your redemption, who lives and reigns with God the Father in the unity of the Holy Spirit, one God forever and ever. Amen. A reading from the Old Testament, the book of Deuteronomy, 8th chapter, 2nd and 3rd verse, in the 14th through the 16th verse. Moses said to the people, Remember how for forty years now the Lord your God has directed all your journeying in the desert, so as to test you by affliction and find out whether or not it was your intention to keep his commandments. He therefore let you be afflicted with hunger and then fed you with manna, a food unknown to you and your fathers, in order to show you that not by bread alone does one live, but by every word that comes forth from the mouth of the Lord. Do not forget the Lord your God, who brought you out of the land of Egypt, a place of slavery, who guided you through the vast and terrible desert with its seraph serpents and scorpions, its parched and waterless ground, who brought forth water for you from the flinty rock and fed you in the desert with manna, a food unknown to your fathers. The word of the Lord. Responsorial Psalm. Praise the Lord, Jerusalem. Glorify the Lord, O Jerusalem. Praise your God, O Zion, for he has strengthened the bars of your gates. He has blessed your children within you. Praise the Lord, Jerusalem. He has granted peace in your borders. With the best of wheat he fills you. He sends forth his commands to the earth, swiftly runs his word. Praise the Lord, Jerusalem. He has proclaimed his word to Jacob, his statutes, and his ordinances to Israel. He has not done thus for any other nation. His ordinance he has not made known to them. Alleluia. Praise the Lord, Jerusalem. A reading from St. Paul's first letter to the Corinthians, 10th chapter, 16th and 17th verse. Brothers and sisters, the cup of blessing that we bless, is it not a participation in the blood of Christ? The bread we break, is it not a participation in the body of Christ? Because the loaf of bread is one, we, though many, are one body, for we all partake of the one loaf. The word of the Lord. Hallelujah, verse, I am the living bread that came down from heaven, says the Lord. Whoever eats this bread will live forever. Hallelujah. The gospel for this feast of the body and blood of Jesus is taken from John 6, chapter 51st to the 58th verse. Jesus said to the Jewish crowds, I am the living bread that came down from heaven. Whoever eats this bread will live forever, and the bread that I will give is my flesh for the life of the world. Now the Jews quarreled among themselves, saying, How can this man give us his flesh to eat? Jesus said to them, 
Amen, amen, I say to you. Unless you eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink his blood, you do not have life within you. Whoever eats my flesh and drinks my blood has eternal life, and I'll raise him on the last day. For my flesh is true food, my blood is true drink. Whoever eats my flesh and drinks my blood remains in me and I in him. Just as the living Father sent me, I have life because of the Father, so also the one who feeds on me will have life because of me. This is the bread that came down from heaven. Unlike your ancestors who ate and still died, whoever eats this bread will live forever. The Gospel of the Lord. Take the next few moments as we listen to this music to ponder the images and the thoughts that come to you as you listen to these readings. I want you to think for a few moments about Jesus the man, like us in everything. Weaknesses, doubts, fears, anxieties. 
And for 30 years, he spent time reflecting and studying and wondering about life and about who he was and what he was here for. And then it came time for him to have this burning desire inside of him, this desire to teach and to preach and to open people to something that he knew now and was convinced of, and that is God dwelling inside of him. He was God, but he never acted as if he was God. He acted as if he, he acted as he was a man filled with divinity. And so we have to suspend some logical, how does this happen? What, what, how does that work? Suspend all that and stay with the image. And the image is this presence of God inside Jesus gave him the ability to do everything that he did, teach everything that he taught, perform every miracle that he performed with one intention. I want people to understand who this God is and what he wants from them and what he wants to give them. That first reading talks about the early time that God called a people together and took them on a journey. It's the archetypal journey of going from slavery to freedom. We are called into a world where we are not burdened by a law and rules and regulations that go against what we really want. No, we're in a journey transforming us so that the things that we're called to do are not commands we have to follow, but the only choice we believe is the right choice. We begin to live in the truth that the law calls us to live in. And so in those early days, what it was about was that, you know, God had to work with us where we were, and we were pretty low on the, on the scale of consciousness. And so basically it turned out that God was taking them on a journey. They didn't know where. They had to trust in him. And so the beginning is, do you trust in God and the plan that he has for you? He's, he's going to invite you into that plan. And so what they were experiencing in the plan is that it was not something that was comfortable or easy. And what they left seemed to be more comfortable at times. And so they have this resistance consistently through this journey. We don't like this process. We don't like evolving and growing and changing. And so what we sense in this is that there is this way in which he says, look, I want you to trust in me on this journey, but I, you, I, you've got to trust. And that is, I'm not going to zoom you to the, the goal and, and say, now, here it is. Now, do you believe in me? No, he said, I want you to trust in the process. And so... One of the things he promises to do in this journey of ours is to feed us and to make sure that we have what is essential for life, food and water. And you can see the images in these things as we look at the whole story of salvation history. Water is all about cleansing and about quenching the longings in our heart, and, and food is about having the strength and the power to do what we're called to do or to endure what we're called to endure. 
So in the very beginning of this journey that we share with God, he revealed to the people that he is there to nurture so that we can do the work, do the work. And what is the work? Well, Paul brings up something interesting. Nothing is more essential to the teaching of Jesus than the whole notion of his body and his blood being offered to us on a regular basis. That is the thing we need. That's the nurturing we need in order to do the work we're here to do. And so Paul is very aware of that, and what he's saying is something that goes beyond just saying, you know, we are here to receive from God his presence, and it nurtures us and feeds us. But then Paul adds, you know, this this work of being fed and nourished is something we have to learn to participate in. And if you're participating it in, it doesn't mean that you're feeding yourself, but when you're realizing it, you're being fed with that which gives you strength. And this blood that is so clearly an image of being there for other people, forgiveness, having a stance toward the needs of others, that these are things that we are fed, but then we have to feed them to others. So the idea of God giving us what is necessary, he then says, and if I'm doing that with you, and I'm doing that for everyone, but I'm going to do it often through another person. I'm going to be using you to be the, my body and my blood to other people because I am in you and you share what's in you. And when you think about all that, it's, it's, <laughs> it's hard to grasp what that really is like. And, you know, we believe as Catholics in the Eucharist, we use it every day in our ministry to communities. We celebrate it. And then yet, what we realize is that, according to the statistics that are out there, asking the average Catholic, you know, do you believe that this bread is really the body of Christ? Do you believe this wine is really the blood of Christ? Supposedly, only about 30% of Catholics believe in transubstantiation. What do they believe in? It's a beautiful, rich symbol. A symbol. There's nothing wrong with having symbols that point to a reality. But why was Jesus so insistent on saying, unless you believe in this, you can't have life? And what does he mean by life? He means that ability to be engaged in the life that God has created for you and for me, to believe that all of it is interconnected, that we're part of something much bigger than we are, and we're living out something that is moving toward life and growth and change and something wonderful. That's hard to believe in sometimes. So what do we have to do in order to be more in touch with this incredibly core issue of our Catholic faith or Christian faith? Jesus living inside of us as Spirit, the Holy Spirit, God the Father Spirit, His Spirit in us, flowing out of us, doing the same thing that Jesus did on this planet. Now, if you're waiting for signs... (laughs) That's a little dangerous. 
because I don't know how Jesus dealt with his humanity and the ability that he had to make God's presence felt through him, through signs and wonders and miracles and driving out demons. I don't think any of us could endure that kind of egocentric uh, food (laughs) without getting caught up in it. So it has to be done in a way that is not so literal, but then at the same time, it is absolutely real. It is his body that we take into us. It is his blood that we is coursing through our veins. It's a, how else can we imagine God in us that he's, we can imagine he's in our heart, he stays there, but, but he's in our flesh, he's in the essence of who we are. What a beautiful image to believe in, and the thing that keeps us is our logical mind that says, well, if it's bread, it can't really be the body of Christ. Even miracles around the blessed sacraments, the reality of it is, is like the host bleeds, or somehow the, um, the host takes on a quality of flesh. As if to say, if we believed it really was the body of Christ by an experiment, by science, we would, we'd believe it. Well, I don't think so. Because if you look at science now, science is in a very different place than it was, say, 50 years ago. And quantum physics has changed our whole idea and understanding of what matter really is. And we find out that matter is not made up just of atoms, but of tiny particles. And these tiny, tiny particles have, 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 have the ability to do things we never thought were, was possible. Because a particle can be both something that you can measure and, and, and see and weigh. And it can also just be energy, just power, just a force. Reality can be both material and, in a sense, we would say, non-material to, to our eyes. That's not super unusual, unnatural. It's the way the world works. If the world works that way, then the idea of this presence of God in the world that is to us invisible has every right to be there in a sense. Science says, yeah, there's, there's a spirit in the world that is, that is goodness, that is him, that is God, that is truth. It is as real as the person you're looking at or the chair you're sitting on. And that probably doesn't really work to say, well, then I believe. Because even the disciples had a hard time believing. In fact, it's encouraging to me when you listen to all those stories after Easter, how many times Jesus had to say, I was with you. You saw this. You saw that. Why do you still don't believe? Believe. Believe. That's the key. Can you believe that this issue that Jesus made such a big deal about, you got to believe I'm in you. My Father's in you. The Holy Spirit is in you. We're working with you. Everything is, is, is working together. You're on this path. Without that, we can just spiral down into something very dark. So make a choice. Believe in Christ's presence. Believe in the food that we find in each other that is him. The nourishment, the power to forgive, to love 
We find it through other people because he's in them and he flows to us and he's in us. Changes my life and has changed it. And I hope it changes yours. Amen. Closing prayer. Father, everything we long for, everything we ask for, you promise to work it so that we will receive that gift. Help us to trust in your promise. Never let it diminish our desire to ask over and over and over again for all that we need to live the life you've called us to live. And we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. The music in our program was composed and produced by Ryan Harner for this show. Pastoral Reflections with Monsignor Don Fisher, a listener-supported program, is archived and available on our website, pastoralreflectionsinstitute.com, and available anytime, anywhere, and for free on our podcast, Finding God in Our Hearts. You can search and subscribe to Finding God in Our Hearts anywhere you download your podcasts. Pastoral Reflections with Monsignor Don Fisher is funded with kind donations by listeners just like you. You can make a one-time or recurring tax-deductible donation on our website, pastoralreflectionsinstitute.com. We thank you for your listenership and your continued support. Without it, this program would not be possible. Pastoral Reflections with Monsignor Don Fisher is a production of the Pastoral Reflections Institute a nonprofit in Dallas, Texas, dedicated to enriching your spiritual journey. Executive producer, Monsignor Don Fisher. Produced by Kyle Cross and recorded in Pastoral Reflections Institute Studios. Copyright 2023.